What up, what up, what up, people? Today, I'm gonna go over um, some questions. I got a bunch of questions, and they're really great questions. So probably each question could be broken down into a whole podcast itself, and I might do that. But what I'm gonna do today is just try to get through these questions. We'll see how far we get. And I'll give um, you know a short answer so you get the gist of it. And then if you wanna go in detail more, we can do that. But these questions came uh, from a class that I taught but I also get a lot of questions through email or Instagram. So if you're listening, if you're one of the loyal listeners, I mean, ask a question if you want the answer because that, that is a way of getting a low to no cost one-on-one with me, right? I would love for you to get a one-on-one with me. They're $145 for 50 minutes, but this is also a great way to do it too. Um, okay, so first question is, what is the best advice you would give someone re-entering the industry? Now, this is a great question because a lot of people have left the industry because they couldn't make money at it. This happens all the time. They get their license. The going, the statistic is within 90 days, people leave the industry because they didn't realize and they weren't schooled in school that, hey, there is no guaranteed paycheck. And if you don't know how to get clients, it doesn't matter how great you are at nails or your beauty service. And we all know when you get out of school, you are not great, right? Takes two to three years of practiced uh, paying clients. So, you know, you might not be that great, but I wasn't either. And for two or three years, I worked at a salon and kind of got paid to continue to practice. That's how it's set up now. So the best advice I would give someone re-entering an industry is hone your craft of whatever nail you're going to do and get into a niche. If you're re-entering the industry, get into a niche. Focus on Uh, only pedicures, focus on only acrylic nails, focus on only the extendo long nails, focus on nail art, focus on natural nails, focus on giving the best massage, focus on uh, doing the best gel nail polish, you know, for natural nails. One of those things, pick one of those niches and really perfect it and be an expert at it. And the other stuff, yeah, if someone comes in for pedicure and you can offer them a manicure too, great. But focusing on one thing and having a niche so that you know, I'm going to go to all the podiatrists, I'm going to go to all the swim clubs. I'm going to go to all the yoga clubs to focus on pedicures uh, would be ideal. And then it's interesting because it says re-entering the industry, meaning most of the people that contact me and say I'm re-entering it, but everything is different now and social media and all this. It's not true. It might look different. And yes, COVID aside, that did be, make things very different, but I'm I'm not really addressing that as of yet. What I'm talking about is how to get a client, how to keep a client, and how to make consistent cash, it's gonna be the same thing with or without social media. These old heads, you don't need social media to get a loyal clientele. I can show you how to use it, but you don't need that. So don't come in worrying like, oh, I'll never get any clients because all these young girls are doing all this stuff on Instagram. I feel the same way. I'm not super popular on Instagram compared to things, but sometimes the truth doesn't get that popular, okay? So that's what I would say. Focus on both honing your the niche of some sort of craft and creating a marketing plan. And utilizing social media, great, but don't spend all your time on it. You should be out and about more getting clients that way. Okay, um, the next question is, how do you educate yourself without breaking the bank? Well, I'm a great person to be edu- get education from without breaking the bank as of now. And I don't know what I can tell you from January, this coming January 2023 and onward, I want to raise my prices significantly. But from now, 
until then, and probably after then, I'll have some affordable things, but I make my offerings very affordable so that they're inclusive for everyone that needs them. I just said a one-on-one -on -one with me is $145. That thing is valued well over $500, but for now, I'm doing it because I want to help the peeps. So look first, look into who can really help you, who really is living the professional life that you want and go after that person and do due diligence i get wrapped up sometimes in these sales funnels and all this excitement like pay just one dollar the course used to be three thousand now it's this and it's going to provide all these results but you got to do research on the person that's doing that right anyone can put on an online course anyone can rent a hotel room and give a course but one are they actual teachers and two do they have the success that you actually want and that you they could show you that. So due diligence on your research. You you shouldn't be breaking the bank to educate yourself. You just should not when it comes to this industry and if you're just looking for some advanced education. Okay. Um next is um when to incorporate or not. This is a really great question when it comes to do I need an LLC? Do I need to incorporate my business? Do I need to do this? If you're not making profiting fifty to sixty thousand dollars per year if you're profiting fifty or sixty thousand dollar a year then you can really look into incorporating and things like that if you're making less than that profit wise don't focus on that do an LLC uh, or a sole proprietor but LLC is ideal so you can um, contact any local accountant but just don't get wrapped up in this making it a corporation all this stuff in the beginning that's my personal feeling but I do want you to set it up right so you're set up for success you know and don't get into unnecessary trouble okay um it says uh, do we pay taxes quarterly or yearly most likely you're going to be doing it quarterly if you're considered a self-employed person um, and each um that's what I do you know based on my previous earnings Sometimes, uh, you know, they'll know what it's going to be and then I pay it uh, four times a month. And my tax lady does that. She already has it set up. Here's the ticket you send and it's already separated out. Do yourself a favor. Get on board right now with your taxes. Even if you're making negative money, it doesn't matter. I fell prey to what most beauty professionals do right when I used to be an employee right at like restaurant jobs because I used to be a chef and then I got into the beauty industry. First job I got, commission and I was a, a 1099er, right? Taxes weren't coming out. So for three to four, about four to five years, I didn't do anything. I didn't pay tax, I didn't do anything. Then a salon fell into my lap and now I'm a salon owner and I had to get right. So I went to a tax lady, she fixed all the past four years and each year I do it. And you just sleep better, you feel better, but guess what? The universe and God throws opportunities your way because your financial house is in order. Financial house in order does not mean that you're making a big profit. It just means that you actually know what's going on. You could be like, well, I'm making 60,000, but I'm spending 90,000. You're 30,000 in the hole, but at least you know. So I can guarantee you, if you're not right, right now, find a tax person that's inexpensive. Mine is usually like 150 to 200 when I go to visit her. I visit her once a year and she gets everything sorted. And then if you have things like this, then when there are crises, governmental crises, where they are going to give you some money, like with all these COVID kind of checks and bailouts and that kind of stuff, um, then you'll get it. I automatically got it in my bank account because I'm, uh, I'm above board. Plain and simple is you're not going to be making money. You're not going to be where you want 
both financially, materialistically, and with integrity if you're not paying taxes. Now, I don't, I'm not into taxes. There's not, it's not even a real law. Like they have done research. There is no actual real law, but it's just an understood agreement. So unless you're on the social, political, activism side where you're like, I'm going to take down taxes and prove we don't have to pay them because I would like to do this, but just not this lifetime, right? I'm not doing that this lifetime. So I'm going to just pay the taxes and keep it on moving. So do that. All right. Next question. How does one show that they are more than a salon owner and hairstylist if they want to get into educating from their experiences and in the industry? Okay, I think this is a great question. Um, and it's it's also interesting, the person who wrote this, how they wrote, like, how does one show that they are more than a salon owner and hairstylist? What more do you want from that to then be able to show your experience? Do you know what I mean? But I understand what they're actually saying. But uh, being a salon owner and an actual hairstylist or nail stylist is the best education in order for you to get into education so that you can share your experience. I'm sharing my experience. Hey, I didn't pay my taxes for four years either. Now I'm above board and these are the prices that it should be and, and all that. So the way you want to do that if you want to get into educating from your experiences is that you start to build a community or, or a loyal list of, of people that you think would want your coaching or services. So I personally do that right now through Instagram. But prior to social media, I was doing it by going to trade shows and I still do it. I went to a trade show, trade show recently in July. I met three people. Two of them didn't know squat about me, didn't know who I was, didn't know I worked with celebrities or anything. I just had a one-on-one -on -one with her the other day because she had an opportunity to do um, Post Malone. So I'm meeting people anywhere and everywhere in order to be able to teach these classes and be an educator and give what I can. So that's what you can do. You could start to present yourself as a teacher, start to give tips and tricks, start to, you could, it doesn't always have to be social media. It can be social media, but that is a marketing tool. There needs to be way more avenues and spokes on that wheel. So you can start a blog, write a blog and write, you know, give yourself um, a thing where for 45 days, every day, you write just about 200 words of something you learn. That's the way to start to build people following you. And then you have five or 10 people following you, then say, hey, I'm giving an online class. Even if two or three people come, I have workshops, maybe three people come. But guess what? Those are three people that I really helped. And what did you do? Stay home scared, probably having more knowledge and more experience than me to give, maybe or maybe not, but you don't do it because you're waiting to be perfect. So that's my uh, advice there. All right, next question. Um, if commission-based, do you provide the product? Do you charge a percentage per client? Do you charge a set amount weekly? Okay, so this is a lot of questions here because if you're commission-based, like you go to work at a salon, and it's commission-based, this person is paying you commission, you should be bringing nothing whatsoever except for your metal implements. And if I were providing a salon, I would also provide the mental, metal implements, but most salon owners don't know. But So you should be bringing your nippers, pusher, clippers. Everything else should be provided by that salon. And if it's not, you're getting ganked and call me because that is not how it works. Okay, do you, and then if I were the salon owner... <clears throat> Oh, I already said that I would I would be providing everything and have them bring in their own med, metal implements. Okay, do you charge a percentage per client? So yeah, that's how commission works. So commission uh, is usually 
50-50. I'm not a fan of the 50-50 model. I would do 60-40. The salon gets 60. The workers get 40. I started, I'll start out with people who first started working with me from school and give them 35% commission. But guess what? It's because they're getting magnificent training from me, right? And I want to make sure that it's fair for them and fair for me. Fair for them is I'm giving you 20 years of experience to come work for me. You're getting 35%. And then if they take all the knowledge that I have and go leave and run or their whole other thing, you know, they leave within five or six months, I don't really get to hone them, then I still feel fine. And the thing is, I also teach them how to get their own clients. So if they bring in their own client, they use my marketing techniques and they bring in their own clients, then they get 50% or 60, something like that. I'm not a fan of people owning a salon and giving their nail techs who work for them 40% or excuse me, 60%. Because unless you have owned a salon and really see what's going on, there is a lot to be done. You're buying light bulbs, toilet paper, paper, fresh flowers, all this stuff. So 50-50, I find, for me personally, isn't the right thing. But that happens a lot, and I know a lot of workers are like, I do all the work. But unless you own a salon, you don't know all the work that it takes to keep those lights on. So um, do you charge a percentage per client? Yes. And you charge a set amount weekly. Now, if you charge a set amount weekly, I find that that would be more of a rental thing, not commission. So you can pay weekly uh, or monthly rent. Okay, so now at the top of this, it says uh, suggestions, so, but there's three questions, so let's see what this says. What is the best way to manage time with clients during services? Now, this is a phenomenal question, and I have a lot of um, experience with this. What is the best way to manage time with clients? I'll tell you a quick story. And I'm going to have a, a, a YouTube channel coming out soon. And my mentor, Grace Fudin, uh, taught me this. And she taught me this unknowingly, right? First day I met her, she came in. I think she was in the fashion world. She was this beautiful, really tall, black woman, light skin with, like, really short, curly, um, uh, blonde hair. Really beautiful, right? Model tall. And she said, I, I want uh, my nails, I want to get my new theme, and I want it to be like angel rock and roll, angel rock and roll, that's the color. So, you know, I'm just starting, really panicked and nervous. Now I'd be like, yeah, yeah, here's the colors. But then I was like, what the hell? Ma'am, I have 30 minutes to do this manicure. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, <laughs> angel rock and roll. Okay, so I go back and I get like kind of sheer pinks and pinks with little sp sparkle stuff that I would think was angel and rock and roll kind of stuff, right? It took this t woman 20 minutes 20 minutes to pick out her nail polish yo it takes 30 minutes to do this now i have 10 minutes to do her service from then on i realized what to do i go in the back i bring i usually i have my polishes in the back i don't like polishes displayed all out and about so i go in the back i bring them out on a silver tray i give them to her at the beginning of the service i have her look through all them while i'm doing her manicure you know what I mean? She's, you can use this one hand, ma'am. I get the right hand. I take off the polish, clip the nails, file. She's looking at the color. She's still looking. Then when I get to the massage part, middle of the massage, I say, okay, now it's getting close to the time. We're going to want to make a final decision on, you know, one of your top, you know, one to two colors, and then we'll test them out. That's a really great way to do it when it comes to the color choices. Or if you have your stuff out and about and people are looking ahead of time, that's great. Or during the massage, they can be looking. But you have to take control of the situation, take control of the client, and take control of the time, period, point blank. So 
that's when people are like talking, using their phone, all that kind of stuff. You got to get that regulated. I have charging stations. That's my idea. I have a charging station so that they can charge their iPhone, their iPad, their Android, whatever, and have it right when they walk in. Oh, hey, ma'am. Would you like to charge your phone? We also have some um, snacks and complimentary beverages. Do you want coffee, orange juice, sangria? Oh, you want to charge your phone? Great. We're going to put it right over here. And it's over there away from the desk. I also let them know if they do or don't want to charge it, you know, this is a um, hands-free nail appointment. So if you do need to make a phone call, if it's an emergency, I prefer not, but you voice it like this. If it is an emergency or needs to be a work call, completely fine. Just put your headphones in and have them in now and then we just press it. But we're not texting boyfriends and looking on Instagram and doing all this stuff. It's a hands-free zone. You need to be able to say that with authority. And if you think that I should do a whole podcast on kind of talking that through, if you're having trouble, please email or Instagram me and I will do that. Uh, the other way is, now this is actually for the service time. <clears throat> Remember when I said the manicure when I first got out of school was a half hour uh, pedicures, I think were like 40 minutes or an hour. But how I got my timing, because I sucked just like anyone else, three hours three yo three hours to do a basic pedicure you know there was a scrub and a massage but it was basic meaning basic polish <laughs> three hours to do a pedicure when i got out of school and now i have a guinness world record for doing the most amount of polish changes in an eight hour period i did 69 people in eight hours so i'm a person that used to take three hours and now, and it would take me 30 minutes to polish the manicure. I don't know what you're talking about. Give a manicure and polish in 30 minutes back then, right? <laughs> so the way that I got to do this and pass this on, if you're teaching people or keep this in your mind, if you, um, you know, are going to be a teacher later, this really works. This is what I did. I broke down the steps on an index card, right? Until you kind of get the steps of your timing. You might know your timing. You might know the steps already. If you don't put it on an index card. And then you're gonna have a clock, right? Either hang a clock in your salon, have a little hand clock on your desk. Don't be using your phone, an actual, um, not a digital clock. I think it's called an analog clock where you can actually see the numbers, 12, one, two, three, right? Have that very visible for you. What I did is I had it on my pedicure station. I sat on like one of those pedicure um, like uh, carts, right? So there would be me sitting, then a little a little kind of space tray, and then the thing that you can push in and out for the people's feet to go on. So I would have my index card and my clock right there where I could always look down. And I would have it broken down to times, right? So say we're doing a pedicure and it takes an hour. So the nail trim, the nail clipping, the nail filing should be five minutes or under, and you know, and then so on and so forth. But what's most important is at the half hour mark, I should be getting really close to getting to the massage, right? The half hour mark, if I'm still working on cuticles, I got to just say 80% of it's good enough and move on to the next step. And feet are pretty forgiving. You're there really close. So you think they're seeing everything, but they're seeing way, way up there. They're just looking at the final result. So, um... At the half hour mark, you're going to want to be like, all right, let me get, let me start getting to like the exfoliation and the massage and if there's paraffin or this, and then leave yourself 20 minutes, 20 solid minutes to be polishing. So if it's getting to the half hour mark, you know, you have 10 more minutes to finish everything to start cleaning up and getting the nail polish on. So by looking at the clock like that for a good three month period, it's not going to work in the first week, but at least you can know like, oh man, I went all the way to 10 of and then it wasn't really enough time to polish. Or maybe it was because she had really 
easy toenail to polish. But using that method, you'll start to see from the beginning, mm, this is gonna this is gonna take a lot of cuticle work. So I'm going to breeze through the filing and you know, not give as much massage or like that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like you'll start to see, but using that method for about a three month period, you'll be able to um really kind of hone your timing. But if you don't have a system like this and you don't know like when you should be stopping to get started, you're gonna go over two hours. You're gonna go, you know, that's just how it works. Okay, so I'm gonna take two more questions here and then on the next podcast, I'll answer the rest. So uh, this says, what is an effective way to increase prices without backlash from your clients? So this is a great question. And if you've been listening to my podcast, I have lots of information on this. I have podcasts dedicated to this. I have classes an online class dedicated to this to really show you how to increase your price, but I'll answer it here in case um, you're new, you know, a quick answer, which would be the best way to increase your prices without a client backlash is to inform them and give them ample time. Give them three weeks to a month. Start announcing it a month in advance and announce it everywhere. Announce it wherever they book. Like if you have an online booking thing, if you have a website, if you have a text blast, an e-blast, put a sign at your desk, let them know. The way to not get the backlash, though, is um, all the information I have in my class, which I'm not going to go into here now, but it is to effectively let them know and answer all the kind of questions already in your announcement. And I tell you how to do that step by step. And then also by having a go-to statement for if there is any kind of questions or backlash. Why is it so expensive? Why is this you? I teach both of those things in my class how to effectively give yourself a raise and implement policies and procedures without losing clients. So you can check that out on my website, najanailguru.com or Instagram me, the underscore N-A-J Naja. Okay, the last question I'm gonna do here is what is the best way to turn down clients without aggression? Now, this is a great question because I can turn people down and I have done it a lot with aggression and not turning people down so much in my business because the way I set up myself is is so assertive and confident that I don't really get this. But in my regular life, prior, I'm a recovering, uh, you know, aggressive person. But, um, okay, what is the best way to turn down clients without aggression? You don't have to turn them down with aggression. You can turn them down with professionalism so that you still te- keep your integrity. Best way to say is, I don't think we're a good fit. I'm not going to be servicing you. That's it. Because if you say, I don't think we're a good fit and that's it, or I don't think there's a good match, or I think there's a better nail tech out there for you, those are all great statements, but it leaves too much room for crazy, craziness and crazy people. Well, what do you mean? What nail tech? And do you know someone? You could say, I don't think we're a good fit. I think there's a better manicurist out there that can suit your needs. I will no longer be servicing you. These three things must be said, right? I don't think we're a good fit. And I will no longer be servicing you. So they they know there isn't any wiggle room. And the middle thing, which is, I think there's a a better nail tech out there that'll suit your needs. And if you have some referrals or people, that would be really great. But just know, anyone that gets rejected, whether it's on a date or a manicuring appointment or for a loan, they're gonna, if they haven't done a lot of work on themselves, and I don't know if you've looked around America and American news, there's a lot of people that haven't done a lot of work. (laughs) So you're gonna... It's a really nice thing to actually say, and and here are some referrals for you. But most times people are going to get, you know, you know, I deal with only professional women. So that's why they're like, I don't work in corporate America, but I like having those clients because 
they know how to do that professional stuff. And it's not always phony baloney. You know, I used to always think it's phony baloney and it is annoying, but it's not always phony baloney. It's better to be a professional. So um, that's the best way. But, but what I don't want you to do is to not do it because you're afraid and then you're constantly in resentment or you're feeling taken advantage of or it just gets uglier and uglier. Because if there's already one sign of ugly, I can guarantee you from my experience, it will only get uglier. It's not going to get better. Don't be naive. So I hope these questions and answers helped you. I had fun. And tune into the next podcast because there's about, let me see, I think five or six more questions um, that I will go over and, and answer for you. So ciao.